There's no music if you have no body to play it with, so take care of your body first. You getting into the gym and you lifting weights and working on muscles, is it's physical therapy for the benefit of your playing. The truth is nothing works like just taking care of the simple stuff. Diet, exercise and sleep. Take care of that and you'll be fine. Join us as two musicians and fitness coaches discuss strength, wellness and fitness in relation to musicians, artists and performance. Hi, welcome to the Tuned In Strong podcast. I am Angela McEwson of Music Strong and joined by my lovely co-host, Dr. Jen Cabas of Tuned and Toned Performance. And today we are joined by a special <laughs> guest, Mr. Chase Akers. Hello. Hey y'all, Jen, Angela, thanks for having me on. Really excited to talk to both of you. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> we are delighted to have you here. So uh, we're just gonna dive into this today. And um, I found Chase on Facebook, I think it was, and then I followed you on Instagram. And yeah. um, you've got a couple different platforms that you're using, but tell us a little about you and your um, what you do in the industry, that kind of thing, your, your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I come from a musical family from my uh, dad. My mom is not musical at all. So people say like musical family, they think, you know, family band, uh, but nothing at all like that. Uh, I have been doing music, um, been playing, performing since I was probably 10 or 11. Um, my dad, uh, Tim Akers, is a producer and arranger, uh, player as well, um, who's had a uh, very long career in the session world, in the live world, um, all, coming up on, gosh, almost 40 years. Um, so he's, he's made quite a name for himself in Nashville um, and, and recently in the last decade has really reinvented himself with um, YouTube fame for his band, uh, Tim Aker uh -huh. and the Smoking Section. And the Smoking Section, right? Yeah, right. Dude. So you, you're familiar. I actually have a friend of mine that, uh, a couple friends of mine that played in his band, and that's how I got cool. to, know, and I know several of them. Who um, are Josh Scalf. Who? Josh Scalf, he plays trombone. Yep, yep I know and, Josh. Yeah, and his roommate at the time, Nick Haynes, mm -hmm. and his illustrious uh, session player dad or uncle, I don't remember, Mike Haynes. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows Mike, apparently. Yes, and absolutely. I don't know if Roy Agee was in that band either. Roy, um, Roy sat in for Barry Green, uh, quite yep, a down the road. We get, we get Roy. The funny thing about Roy is he's so busy himself. So it's like, we have a, a deep bench of subs, but it's like, they're all, you know, touring and, and doing stuff in their own right. So it's kind of like, we have to have multiple subs for each member. Um, but yeah, coming, coming from, uh, you know, music in the jeans, it's, it's funny how, you know, I, I've watched my dad kind of reinvent himself over the last decade and i'm going man you you like approached retirement and said no i'd, I'd get bored i want to keep i want to keep going you know and, and he's he's reached kind of international fame with the with all the cover videos and stuff like that so my background i mean obviously you know grew up in studios grew up being around it so it seemed kind of natural to to go into that world uh even though i i didn't really know where I was going to land um, until I was in my mid-teens. You know, I, I grew up playing jazz piano, guitar, uh, took trumpet in elementary school up through high school. And so 
few different instruments and uh, something happened, you know, about age 13 to 15 and kind of broadened my musical palette, started listening to more uh, electronic music, more hip hop, more world music, everything, you know, it, you grow up being a guitar player, you learn the classic rock, you learn maybe some jazz and Joe Pass and all Django and all that stuff. But then uh, I guess a page turned and I suddenly got really into production. And that's where I landed was making tracks. And, and I, as a teenager, I would, um, you know, uh, take records that I really liked and try to copy the production style exactly like I heard it. And I thought, well, I don't have anyone else to play these parts. So I might as well just learn how to play the parts, whether it's keys, guitar, whatever, program the drums, you know. Um, so that's kind of where I've been. I just kind of put my nose to the grindstone in high school and didn't stop. Um, as far as the, as far as the music industry goes, I guess the question, the better question would be, it's not what, what do you do, but what, I guess, what do people seek you out for would be yeah. the better question. I do many things, but, uh, some of those things are planting seeds for money to be made or, or products to be made years down the road. Uh, what people seek me out for is uh, track production and guitar playing, background vocals, stuff like that. Got it. So you're yeah. sitting behind a soundboard a lot. Yeah, I'm sitting behind the desk a lot. Um, I, I never really wanted to go the artist route. That was, I mean, I've, I've written music, released music, but I, I, I always felt happier kind of working, uh, getting to hire the team and, and uh, being in that production role, um, if that makes sense. Somewhere along the line, I became a DJ and, and didn't stop because it was fun and the money was good. <laughs> So Who's the second DJ I mean, we've interviewed, or who has a history with being a DJ? Yeah. Who was the other one? Uh, Coach Yannick, who lives in oh. Germany. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, uh, he's a really neat dude. He his name is um, Yannick, and don't ask me his last name because I do not remember it. Yannick. But he's a uh, he's also uh, a bass player. And so he, he talked about going from Beethoven to uh, techno house pub yeah. music and jazz, you know, like doing all the things. And, you know, we had a fun conversation about the hierarchy and whatever. And then he got into DJing and stuff. Neat guy, really neat guy. And then he got into strength training and that's where he's landed. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing too, because people talk about like, well, do you still, you know, do you do music and DJing and blah, blah, blah. How, how do you, the, how do the two come together? But I, I think having, having been a DJ for just over a, a decade now, I, I think the, the most interesting thing is if you grow up as a player and you have that experience playing, producing, whatever, it's a very easy transition to go, uh, you know, on the weekends to go out and play records because you understand how these records are made. You understand the musicality and, and key matching or key changes or, uh, why certain songs work together and others don't and so that i guess that would be the third prong of my career that is uh on the on the healthier side you know it's it's just a lot of fun you know what i mean yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely so yeah. so um i you have uh, a couple different profiles actually and one of yeah. yours um, <laughs> it's all about to do what too many Instagrams. That's okay. Jenna <laughs> yeah. has a couple too, don't you? <laughs> I, I do. I do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Totally okay. Nobody's counting. 
you know, at, at some point it's like, at first I didn't understand it, but then from a, what are people looking at perspective, it started making sense, right. you know? Right. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. so on one of your other accounts, like you have a whole lot of pictures that are a lot of videos of you working out. Can you tell us a little bit about your fitness journey and how that ties in? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to, we're going to have to go way back. So, um, okay, let's go. That, that <laughs> platform is called rebuilding ability. And so we'll kind of start at the end and then go back to the beginning. So rebuilding ability is uh, my way of chronicling my journey with cerebral palsy. Um, I was born uh, three months premature. And what this disorder is, is a, a brain disorder uh, similar to that. It behaves like a stroke. Mm -hmm. um, so basically I was... Um, had a lack of oxygen during the birth process and it resulted in a severe stroke. Um, and they usually diagnose it between ages like two and five. So around age three, they were seeing some developmental delays and some things that were uh, not on par with what the, uh, how the normal kids were behaving physically. Um, so they diagnosed me with cerebral, uh, cerebral palsy spastic diplasia which means uh, it's both sides of the lower body are affected in a spastic manner versus a static manner. Okay. That's a whole lot of jargon that nobody cares about. So we can break that down. It's okay. We get it. We have a doctor with us. Yes. Is it, what is your doctorate in? Not that kind of doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure before I know. Clarinet doctor. That's, that's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> right, we can get it. We can talk deep here in seventeenth century, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, I do all of that. Yeah. So, being, and it's such a thing. It's like CP is still like rare enough where people are like, "What is that? What happens with the art? Why are you not in a wheelchair?" Is like, it all the questions that one gets or one has like. I guess when they're a kid is like, what do you do with this? You know, it's mm -hmm. so they, I mean, they were seeing, you know, they basically told my mom, like, he's not going to walk. He's not going to ride a bike. He's not going to essentially have that normal embodiment experience that a child his age would have, you know, teen years are going to be hard, no sports, no nothing. So I, I had this surgery at age five that, um, did its best to, I, I don't know how familiar you are with cerebral palsy in your, in your strength trainings. I, I don't want to assume that that's something you're super familiar with if you're not. Not as much. And I'm going to guess that our listeners are also not as much. So base it down yeah. as much as, have as much as we need to. Yeah. So like a lot of yeah. time, and the reason I like to go into the description and, and be more explicit with that is because CP's representation in media is completely wrong like for the most part it's now rj Mitty from breaking bad did a great job um there's also a show that my friend ryan o'connor wrote and starred in called special on netflix that is about having cerebral palsy and obviously like you know they casted somebody with you know wrote starred and directed the show who has it so two great examples there but by and large uh media representation is not great. So, uh, like I said earlier, 
it's it's a neonatal stroke that behaves as such. So mm -hmm. cases can vary from uh, moderate, you know, mild side of moderate case like mine to extremely severe and wheel wheelchair bound to uh, mm. almost. Uh, there's even cases of uh, mental retardation, uh, problems with speech, problems with cognition, uh, all the way up to um, vegetable state. So. Oh. That's yeah. the gamut. Yeah, that's it's it's literally like this wide. Like you can have someone who maybe has one crooked finger all the way to will never be ambulatory, will never be able to bathe or feed themselves. Wow. Um, completely runs the gamut. I am somewhere on the lower end of the percentile of, and we can get into that as my story unfolds, but um, I'm on the lower end of the percentile of like, the doctors knew, okay, his legs are affected, um, his balance is affected, his proprioception in terms of, uh, you know, how does he handle himself in space and, and um, I guess, uh, kinesthetically, there were developmental delays. So this surgery um, sought to mitigate some of these factors that included the muscles that were atrophying themselves because they were so spastic. The analogy I like to make is if you spend uh, 24 hours all the way to six months making a fist, uh, eventually the muscles around that are going to completely atrophy because all of these muscles that are in a spastic state uh, making an effort to make that fist uh, those are the only ones working, right? Everything else around it is uh, a supporting or ancillary muscle that is not being paid attention to. So essentially that's what happened to me. This surgery was to lengthen my hamstrings, turn my femurs out, uh, broke my feet, reset those, you know, turned, turned everything away. What do they call it in, in uh, training? Distal? Is that the but word? It, was everything pointed more towards the midline? Yeah. 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 So it was like internal midline rotation, a negative rotation in my hips. So when you see like a, a pigeon toed, it was like pigeon mm -hmm. leg, like all the Got way. Got it. Just that, you, know, the, you know, I guess the non-PC term is bow legged. <laughs> <laughs> you were going, they, they, they tried to make you do uh, uh, external rotation. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be like ballet first position. Like they were, they were trying to, um, they were trying to, I date a lot of dancers. This It's just rattling. Around. Um, trying to rotate the, the hips and, and bones to basically first position to say, can we mitigate these muscles that are pulling them inward? So that wheelchair bound me for 18 months. Oh yeah. Half body cast, whole thing. And they said, you're going to have to learn how to walk again. You're going to have to do all this stuff. You know, you're going to basically start over regress to, you know, age 10 months in, in terms of your, uh, at five years old. Mm -hmm. So it was kindergarten. I was just like, well, crap. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's when you're supposed to be running on the playground and stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was some of the, and, and again, like pre-operation there, there was a lot of that, but it was, it was not graceful. Um, so uh, a lot of that is a blur at this point, but I, I think at some point 
came out of the out of the cast and started very mild physical therapy at Vanderbilt. And obviously, children don't have the agency, the mental and emotional agency to say, I hate this, or I like this, or can we try something different? Mm-hmm. It's a lot different than a 27-year-old choosing mm-hmm. to go do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I obviously hated PT because it was just like, this hurts, and I can't, I can't see a return <laughs> on investment. So mm-hmm. kind of stuck with that, made my way through school, you know, didn't, didn't play any sports, uh, grew up pretty much a normal kid. My parents socialized me as one of the normal kids. You know, they said, there's kids riding bikes. Well, you're going to get on a bike and go ride it. There's kids playing football. You're going to go be on the defensive line because you need to like it. <laughs> It was just very, yeah. And it's like how I would want to parent my future children is like, hey, you need to be socialized as such as the other kids are so that you don't view yourself as handicapped, right? Yeah. So gloss over most of early life and you just, again, socialize a normal kid, but college rolls around and, and, you know, I had never, I, I associated anything with fitness as these, this is just for jocks or like, these are, this is for people that are like obsessed with their body. And I like didn't understand it and just seemed like a meathead thing. And like, mm-hmm. and this is long before the, the days of Instagram, you know, so this is long before the days of like thirst traps, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> ass picture in the gym, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a yeah there's a, later in the story there's a there's a beautiful moment where i realized i was hot so <laughs> like i get to college and i'm like getting ready to graduate from mtsu and and uh i needed a physical therapy or not physical a physical education credit to graduate mm-hmm. and i'm talking to my friend who's a who's a, a dance teacher and i'm like Meg, what can I, uh, what can I do? I, I should, I gotta do something, but I don't want to like run track. Like I don't want to do something stupid that just not. <laughs> like you should try Pilates. I'm like, you mean that girls workout? You mean that? <laughs> with, with mom? You know, I just immediately every image of like no mm-hmm. came in mm-hmm. my mind, and mm-hmm. she's like, no, really, you should try it because there's gonna be things that it's gonna help you mitigate, which and and help you learn. Uh, full body connectivity. You're going to learn what your transverse abdominal is and what your glute medius is and all the problems that you have. You're going to learn how to foam roll. I know. I love it. Believe me. I studied for NASM. I know the terminology. Ah, (laughs) Um, So I go into Pilates kicking and screaming, basically like, I really don't want to do this, but I, I need to get it to graduate. And because you have to understand the mental headspace was one, I can't do anything physical. Mm. Anything having to do with exercise is either meatheads or thirst traps. <laughs> and three, what's the point? There's no point. These are the cards God dealt to me. It's just going to be that way. So like 21-year-old me, was that's where I was living. Mm. So I get into Pilates and... I kind of sheepishly tell this teacher, you know, this professor, I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And don't tell the other kids, but like, I'm really freaked out. She's like, it's fine. You're going to love it. We're going to do great. 
I am not kidding you. By the end of that semester, by the end of that semester, my entire skeletal system, I was standing up straight. I had one of my legs had lengthened. I was doing planks like you wouldn't believe. I couldn't do, before I started that class, I couldn't do an air squat without falling over. Mm-hmm. So obviously the testosterone in me got hungry, you know, <laughs> towards the end of that Pilates class. And I was like, I want to lift weights. There we are. <laughs> there, that's where I'm at, right? So yep. the, you know, testosterone goes, this isn't enough. I want to go live weights. So I'm doing all the V ups and I'm doing all this Pilates stuff. That's got me super lean and balanced and I'm getting stronger and still, you know, still limping a little bit. I've got a bit of a natural limp that just uh, is due to the rotation in my hips, but um, seeing results all over the place. And the professor, uh, Angela Ramos, she, she couldn't believe it. She was like, this is nuts. I've never seen this before. This is such like a fun experiment to work with. Mm-hmm. And um, I started lifting weights and I just, I hit MTSU's gym every hour and try bench press, try and over, you know, try pull-ups, try. You tried all the things. Yeah. Try <laughs> all the things. And, and then suddenly it was like, there was like 90 days into that. I just kind of looked in the mirror and I was like, huh, it worked. i'm like able to lift my amp head without like oh god this is hard i'm like able to carry the groceries up the stairs and like Mm -hmm. all this stuff Mm -hmm. so speeding up so i've graduated college i'm starting to lift weights i just like drop in to this crossfit studio in williamson county and i was like i just want to try this like at this point i'm starving for anything having to do with um, have to do with fitness. I'm just starving for it. Side so, note, Chase yeah. is here in Nashville with me and Jen is in Tallahassee, Florida for anybody who's listening. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Most to coast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, dr- I drop in to this uh, CrossFit Williamson County mm-hmm. and this whole time, the even funnier thing is I'm dating a Pilates teacher at the time. <laughs> So like the most irony you could ever possibly think of mm-hmm. is I've got this Pilates teacher. I'm going to her studio at Wellbody in East Nashville and I'm like doing, still doing Pilates, still getting strong. And then these CrossFit guys are like, yeah, we'll take you in. Like here, just try like a month of classes. It'll be fun and, and blah, blah, blah. And start doing CrossFit. And then the first day I'm there, this woman comes up to me and, and she's like in, in tears. And I'm like, hi, are are you okay? And she was like, no, no, I just, hi, my name's so-and-so. I'd like you to meet my son. Um, My son playing over there in the children's area has cerebral palsy. And I I heard that you have CP. So I start talking to her Mm -hmm. and we end up talking for like an hour and a half. And Mm -hmm. she's like, what can I give to my son how do I get, you know, how do I mentally get here? How does he get here? You know, like when he's older, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm starting to think, cause I'd been talking with uh, my girlfriend at the time on what kind of story to tell, you know, you know, she's was encouraged. She was encouraging me to document this story and, and I'm going, man, I don't want this. I don't want to talk about myself. It's stupid. And like, and she's like, no, you can help people. You know, you can mm-hmm. start 
giving people an inside look to as to what this narrative is and so i'm doing the the crossfit thing and i'm thinking okay like maybe i'll just start writing a blog you know start instagramming me working out in an effort to help people you know i i don't at the time that was i guess four years ago three four years ago i didn't really know what to make of it but kept lifting weights, blah, blah, blah. This, this whole time I'm uh, doing some contract work for Lululemon um, for the brand and, and doing some music stuff for them. And so the Lulu Hill Center guys, you know, the, their management was like, Hey, we heard that you were at CrossFit Wilco and at all these other places and like you've been contracting for us. Uh, would you want to basically be like a de facto ambassador? Like, not necessarily on the ambassador program, but function as such to, to go into these spaces, you know, wearing the gear and, and repping the brand. And so I was like, yeah, well, let's, let's up the ante and do, do something a little more serious. Like let's put on an event, you know, let's put on these community events. So we ended up putting on, um, and this is probably a year after the CrossFit thing, we ended up putting on these, this event called sweat in the Gulch. And we had all these vendors come in and, and, uh, host their workouts to kind of promote their um, promote their studio, you know, promote their fitness studio and uh, connection after connection. And then it really blew up a couple years ago when a connection from Lululemon brought me to Nashville Fit Magazine, um, and they did an article called "Recovering from Disability." I was just doing the same thing here. Like just tell your story. How'd you get here? Why did you decide to fight CP? You know, again, you answer the question, what's the point? What's your why? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so out of all of that, rebuilding ability was birthed as an effort to basically say, the world is never going to be safe for cerebral palsy. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible place to be if you have a disability, but there are ways you can fight it. And what I'm trying to do now is partner with the right trainers, partner with the right educators to get people with CP or any other, uh, you know, kinesthetic disability to get inside their head and give them the empowerment they need to go and lift that weight. So that's rebuilding ability because you know if you're working with the ability you got you might have to rebuild it that's the idea (laughs) so that's where all that came from (laughs) where do we go from there wow that's where i mean that's that's the life (laughs) that is i mean that's quite the story i mean i love that you talk about um Hmm. like you started with pilates and how many of us we, it, Pilates, CrossFit, whatever, they all have kind of a, you always have a stereotype that goes with these. 100%. So, I mean, you've got the, I mean, you've got some guts to go in this class. I'm like, I don't know. I want to do this. This is like for girls, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, guys in ballet or, or, you know, girls in strongman for crying it's out so loud. Narrow-minded. <laughs> it's so narrow-minded of me. It is. After you think about it, after being in Pilates for two years, go into CrossFit then go into like a private trainer and do what I'm doing now. It, you don't even realize that 
all of those things have their place in it's like a production like when you're making a track every you can't just say like well that you know that guitar part is what it is well no it's, it's part of a bigger piece it's part of a you know that doesn't work or that hi-hat doesn't work you don't know until you listen to the bigger piece and that's the same thing here is like every person in my life that was into fitness at all was like no, no pilates is like the only thing you should be doing like, you shouldn't even touch weights and, and so that headspace changed because i was like oh, I, I kind of see why. Okay, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's more about the interbody connectivity and, and not so much how much iron can I pump. Mm -hmm. So you learn, it's like, I think when you go into spaces like that, you think you understand the stereotype or mm -hmm. this idea you have in your head and it turns out to be wrong. And the most helpful thing that you could do, it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know? Very true, yeah. very true. Jen, I don't want to talk this full time. Feel free to oh, I know. I was like, uh, I've been like uh, the whole time. Shoot. Well, you yeah, have, but that's the point of you being here. So right. it's totally fine. Right. Right. Um, and and it, it sounds like Pilates gave you a good base for your weightlifting and your weight yeah. training, that kind of stuff too. So it's like, yeah, I mean, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, right, is how things tie in together and how they support each other and how much it's totally ignored um, for one reason or another, um, sometimes by potentially, we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, well-intentioned medical professionals who just think that they need to protect you. <laughs> or who aren't well-intentioned or just ignorant and lazy. There's that too. Either, either you know. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of school of thought around like physical therapy of like mm -hmm. certain firms, they don't really want you to get well. They just want to keep making the coin, you know, off mm -hmm. the so like, mm -hmm. I was always really bored with it because it wasn't challenging enough. And I'm like, yeah. been I there. I want to deadlift. I want to like, right. you know, push a tire or something. Like I want to actually yeah. do something that's going to make sense. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's relevant to your point. That's just where my head went. You know. No, I think so. I mean, it's, it's that kind of just bouncing off what you were saying where these things have their place. And we just yeah. often kind of miss that or people, the average person working like a nine to five, right? It's like, oh, well, I twisted my ankle. So I'm going to go to physical therapy for six weeks and then I'm done. Like, uh, no. well, it's maybe you twisted your ankle because there was a problem. And maybe physical therapy gets you to a point where you can address the problem. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. Uh, like I'm having a pain in my neck. I'm going to get a steroid shot. It's the right. same. Thing. It's like, right. Back up. <laughs> Let's focus on. And, and that's, what's great about cerebral palsy is mm -hmm. we know, excuse me, we know what the problem is. And now it, it, it's the, the terrible thing about the med the Western medicine here is that it's like, well, we could put, and thank God I was never put on like, barbiturates or benzidines or anything as like pain because you know chronic pain is name of the game with cp so it's like we'll just put you on a pill you know you'll be out of pain but you'll be you know lazy overweight not strong mm -hmm. blah 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 and i just kind of you know because i never went down that route i just kind of had to find a route that made sense and it's a route that a lot of doctors would be like, you shouldn't do that. You're going to hurt your spine. I'm like, I'll find out if I'll hurt, like, let me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go. I'm tired of hearing that. 
You'll hurt your spine. Okay. You can yeah. hurt yourself doing anything. I think driving a car is more dangerous than being in the gym. It all comes down oh, yeah. to ignorance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's how, it's like how I used to make fun of people that were in the gym all the time or like kind of just have a, a general disdain for people that were in the gym all the time. Cause I didn't understand it mm-hmm. until I got there. And like, you know, pre COVID, like I'd sit in the sauna for 30 minutes afterwards and have that awesome experience of like feeling cleansed and feeling strong. And like, then you know, they talk about like gym addiction. Well, like you, <laughs> you get there and you're like, Oh, I get it. I, I see what, I see what the move is, you know? And, and yeah, I'm now kind of a converted believer in, mm-hmm. in that you can fix a lot of problems with little bit of cardio and a whole lot of weights bingo so can i tell a quick story yeah all right so funny story i'm going through my fourth injury right now i've not been able to feel these fingers completely in a year and a half wow um and it it stemmed from a lot of things too many car accidents and then um hypermobility and then i was cramming for a recital on an alto flute which is real stupid don't do that i know better but i did it anyway so Um, you know, alto flute's way out here and then your neck does this and I had problems and then suddenly I am ending up with can't turn my head certain directions, get shooting electrical pains down my arm. My entire right quadrant just seized up. I started to get muscle atrophy at the same time. Um, I go see a chiropractor who tells me you need to rest. Like, I'm going to punch you in your face as much as I like you. This is not the answer I need (laughs) right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Resting helped. I mean, his work did help me, but it's his, I'm like, look, dude, I'm, I'm, I need to get back in the shape for the army for all this other stuff. Right. Fast forward. I'm still seeing this, uh, chiropractic. Wait, pause. So, I yeah. totally knew that you served, but I, how long ago was that? How long ago was what? Are you still enlisted? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. For- I've been in for 18 years <laughs> as of last month. 18 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I just not at I, all. I love the armed forces. So that's like one thing I'm really passionate about. So that, we love America. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Well, thank you. But so like the thing is, you know, I need to be able to play and be strong for all three of my jobs. For my job as a personal trainer, for my job as a musician, and my job as a soldier. I need to be able to do right. things. And I'm not able to do anything because if I do something wrong, the symptoms get worse and then I can't do anything. Right. So I've just the last year and a half, I really haven't done met much working out at all because I wasn't sure what I could do. And it didn't seem like there was a rhyme or a reason to what would set my symptoms off. And I didn't want to go backwards. Goodness knows I didn't want it to become permanent because anytime you get numbness and tingling, that's indicative of a nerve issue. Right. So I go see a sports medicine doctor after we had a we had a Mardi Gras. We played at Mardi Gras uh, last year. We marched the, the Rex parade, which is a five mile parade. And the next day I felt like someone had taken a baseball bat to both of my hips. And I thought, this is not normal. It's a freaking parade. I understand I'm standing around in terrible shoes, but really? Yeah. I'm not that old. Okay. Let me go see what's going on. Right. So I go see a sports med doc and then we're working through this, that, and the other. And we finally get to this. And he says, look, he's one of the best I've seen. If you're, if you're in Nashville and you need a sports medicine doctor, go see Dr. Clark Holmes at impact sports right by uh, it was right across the street from my gym, actually. He will listen to you. Where do you train your gym? I'm at Next Level Fitness on Church Street. Gotcha. Yeah. But this doctor actually listens, which I really, he's like, do you want me to just write you a letter and do this? I'm like, yes, but I also would like to um, feel my fingers. I kind of need that. 
Right. And so uh, he's like, well, do you like an MRI? I was like, yes, I would absolutely like an MRI. Please find out what's wrong with my neck. We found all kinds of junk in here that's wrong. Um, so I'm getting that seen. But basically, I did, I did chiropractic care. I tried some physical therapy that didn't work. Chiropractic helped. Basically, the only thing that helps really is traction, right? Getting the, the here, uh, getting some space and some pressure off those nerves. But I'm like, look, doc, I can't be told I need to rest anymore i'm a hypermobile person three years. and a half it's, it's not happening yeah no it's not rehab and my body is desperate for strength and mm-hmm. it's impacting all three of my careers all three of my jobs and this is not the answer anymore and i'm like look i might be a personal trainer but i can't train myself i can't look at myself i can't be objective and i don't know what i need right do you know a personal trainer you can refer me to and he went I appreciate that. I'm like, I need strength. I don't need a steroid shot and I don't need surgery. And he goes, well, I respect that. There you go. So he sent me to somebody who's a PT and strength coach. So hopefully I'm like, look, I need strength, especially here, you know? So it's good when you get to see one of those people, Mm -hmm. but you really do have to advocate for yourself. And strength is so underrated. Like you can mobilize all you want, but if you're just a loosey goosey mess, (laughs) you're going to stay there. Well, and yeah, and that's the... uh, that is the balance I've always had to strike because mm-hmm. part of my issue is I, I don't want to interrupt you. Is that, is that where you're going? That's a story. If I had a point other than that, I forgot it. Oh, it was a good point. I like, <laughs> like, cause it, it segues nicely. Um, that's always the, the tough balance to make, right. Is the, you know, CP and the way it behaves is you're not flexible at all. You're mm-hmm. like born muscle bound. So it's like, even if you don't have muscles, so it's like, okay, well, how much of this is, you know, if you're building this house, how much of it foundationally do we need to get strong before we move into flexible stairs or flexible wall, whatever it is, do the Mm -hmm. walls need to be solid or do, do the beams need to be flexible? Who knows? Bad analogy. Point being, um, the striking the balance between serious strength and serious flexibility is always tough to find, which I think that's Mm -hmm. the importance of having a coach who can say, okay, we've made progress here. We haven't made progress over here. Maybe we tip Mm -hmm. your programming a little more in the flexibility world, or maybe we Mm -hmm. tip it more to the strength world. Who knows? Now you as a soldier, you know, if you're doing ruck runs, you don't need to be doing yoga. It's like, you know, you need to help me much honestly right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you need to condition for, for you know, carrying an M4 and mags and, and radio and all that stuff. It's like... I'm in the band. I don't have to do any of that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's ruined your idea. I haven't done that since basic training. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, oh, you mean that's not part of your weekly programming? Is an 80-pound you know, plate belt? <laughs> wow. I mean, I don't want my, my personal program to get out to the world. I mean... But, you oh, know, <laughs> one thing I'll do is I'll, t- I'll take my uh, plate kit and, and do pull-ups with it. Cause I'm like, okay, body weight's not enough. Let's throw the plates on. It's like, there you go. 30 pounds of armor. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, trying to, mm-hmm. but I think it's an interesting, uh, here's the, here's the original point I was trying to make is the problem with how we approach cerebral palsy is, well, they'll never be strong. And that's like a terrible thing when you think about it. And again, it depends on the case. If someone is wheelchair bound and non-ambulatory, then I would say, okay, we, we let's go more. Maybe the, the, 
the flexibility route or the, or the, you know, fine motor skill route or mental health route, maybe, maybe some different things. But if there's a person with CP who's ambulatory and uh, they have a case of couch potato itis, then I think the answer is get in the squat rack, get on that flat bench and, and see what you can do, you know? work on the flexibility is flexibility is like a mix engineering. It's going to be like a lifetime thing. You're never going to, never going to have that perfect, like, oh, okay, I will, I'm flexible now. I woke up and I was flexible. That's you know, pain. You get into pain management and stuff like that. Jen weigh in. I'm, I'm. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and there's, there's a lot of people who are, who don't have CP who still have problems right. like that, you know, where it's, um, they're told by somebody that they're not going to be strong where they're told, Oh, you're not flexible or, um, you're not flexible. Therefore that's the end of the story. Or they're going to a coach. And this one always bugs me. Yeah. Um, who doesn't know the difference between flexibility and mobility or how to address that. Oh. Who doesn't understand what hypermobility is and how to address that. And who doesn't understand like what you're talking about where it's like, okay, well, you're muscle bound in this direction, but strength has helped you with that. Yeah. And it's because you're counterbalancing the muscles that are atrophied or weak. You know, you're bringing those up in order to assist with that. Yeah. You know, you can, it's, um, if you're trying to keep the scales balanced, right? Yeah. That's you can only tip so far in one direction before you start getting into problems. So, okay, well, we'll get, a little bit more flexibility. Okay. Well now we're starting to teeter. We'll get a little more strength, a little more, and they feed right. into each other, you know? So like, <laughs> and that's, that's even something you, there's a point you made in there about like the overactive V underactive. Uh, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. for me, I've got an overactive. So as active underactive glute. Yeah. So I have a pretty serious lumbar lordosis, uh, basically you know mm-hmm. booty popping as we <laughs> and it's nice well, what you say interior pelvic tilt going on eh <laughs> that word i don't use this word lightly that word is triggering because it's like er- every trainer's like your interior pelvic tilt <laughs> work on it <laughs> i know just call it booty pop it'll make you happier <laughs> not on the male frame trust me it's that's the type of thing where like that is such a serious thing. It's, it seems like that's the one mountain in my fitness life is okay. Mm. I'm still, I'm still looking at this thing as unmovable is, is how do how do we deal with, with something like that? That is so it's been that way for 25 years. So it's Mm -hmm. like, what do you do? But again, I think it comes down to finding it's not just the one person, the one right person, because there is no one right person to train you. There's 100%. multiple people in your community mm-hmm. and, and multiple versions of your programming. Um, mm-hmm. And we even talked about music and how that ties in, but like there's multiple people in your community that you have to have in order to conquer mountains like that. Mm-hmm. So an interior pelvic tilt, is a pretty serious thing because it sucks and it causes chronic pain. So it's like, okay, you can't just stretch. You got to stretch and lift weights. You can't do that. You got to do yoga as well. You've got to better sleeping habits. And there's all these kind of things that can 
tie into that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the same reason in, in the classical and, and jazz music worlds where it's like, and I, I, I'm speaking to that because that's my background. So you can right. feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on your end or if it's included, right. but you know, we don't stay with one private teacher our whole career. Right. Now we'll spend years with one before we move on to another. And sometimes less if they're kind of like, Oh, this is not a right fit. You know, that's fine. But it's, you know, you have a series of things to learn from the person that you're currently with. So my first instructor, I had a lot of learning how to just practice in the most basic of senses, right? You know, like, okay, you cannot just sit down and play the etude from top to bottom over and over and expect like, yeah. let's work on how to isolate stuff and how to know how to do that. Where's, um, where's your phrasing at? Where's your breath control at? Where's well, your... that was teacher number two. Oh. Teacher number three was then technique and like time management a little bit and like a little bit of just to dig in and, and be sure. insane. <laughs> Teacher number four was a lot more time management and um, mental health and phrasing articulation or not articula uh, phrasing, air voicing, that kind of stuff. Sure. Anyway, sure. but I spent years with each of those um, yeah. because there was like, okay, well, it's going to take me. I see where you are and you can only take so many steps at a time. And like yeah. as an instructor or a coach, you have to triage, right? Yeah. But it's okay. Well, we're going to work this direction first. Cause I think this is the biggest problem, but you go to somebody else and they're like, well, I think this is your biggest problem. We could be working toward the same goal, very different ways. Mm -hmm. um, that's a very, a lot of things I threw out there all at once. <laughs> no, but, I, I have yeah. a, a general handle on what you're saying is, is yeah. it, uh, British have a saying horses for courses. It's the right, you've got to put the right teacher in the right place at the right time Yes. in your career. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, if, yeah. you know, Angela, when she first had her injuries and they said, no, nah, just keep going, you know, maybe she didn't need to rest or maybe, maybe they were wrong. It's, it's kind of, it, it just depends on where you are in that journey. And that mm -hmm. is, is, is team combined with effort combined with conviction about why you're there is that's how you get to success. Yeah. It's like those three things. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. You, of course you need a different teacher for each sector of, and some teachers you do stay with for life, but yeah, um, I would say that's the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you also do Krav Maga, don't you? Oh, Sorry to interrupt you there. My favorite thing. <laughs> transition from Pilates to brutal Israeli fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know? I mean, that's talk about the gamut here. How familiar are you with Krav Maga being being enlisted? I love that everybody everybody thinks that. Um, <laughs> well, because they're not like we have we have armed service people who train with us up in Nashville, and they're like, we did not get it this intensely. Let me tell you, at basic training, I had one day of hand to hand combat, and they took away my glasses, so I couldn't see Jack because I had to get a waiver to join the army because I'm friggin' blind. <laughs> so I was like, really cool. Cool guys, appreciate that slide. Having bad eyesight. It's really bad eyesight. Now, how did you don't isn't that usually like a, a non-qualifier now? Like you can't get in? No? Maybe for the Air Force, but I'm not flying. Oh, of course, that's right. So, I just played the flute for my country. So I mean, you know, yeah. if I can memorize stuff too, I'm good. I mean, I've yeah. got I've got contacts, but I mean I just had to get away from like, look, can she wear glasses? 
Okay, she's fine. So they teach you all these things. And it was one day. Other people had several days. We had one day. And they're like, okay, take your glasses off. Angela, you go over here. And then this other pair up this other girl. And I'm like, with who? Boom. And I was on the ground. I never had a chance to like, they're like, do this. I'm like, I can't see. <laughs> like, I had no, so same cool. with like the giant, like uh, the, the toothpicks, the, uh, the pupil sticks, the giant Q-tips that they make you. I was like, I'm going to beat somebody down. Some yeah. Took away my glasses. <laughs> the next thing I know, boom. I had no, I didn't get to hit anybody. I was so You're mad. Off your rocker. Yeah, just done. Yeah, I was not. So what's my experience? Double zeros. <laughs> That's the thing. Like we, we have a, what was he? I think he was army and he had done, he'd done five years in the sandbox and he was like uh, this guy that trains up at Nashville, Krav Maga. And he, he done five or six years in the sandbox. He was like, he's like, we, I guess as a concept, we know this stuff, but, but, yeah general enlisted like wouldn't even get like officers wouldn't even get this like this kind yeah. of so uh my friend austin this girl i know brought me to krav maga because it was based on pure curiosity i'd been lifting and, and like still doing my thing doing some hot yoga over at fahrenheit which i love this is all pre-covid you know um and doing my thing and staying on my programming trying to and I keep seeing these posts from Austin, her friends like, doing this thing. I'm like, that looks kind of fun. I just want to go try that. And so same story showed up and said, here's what I'm working with. And it didn't take one class. And I was like, I'm in like this. Yeah. Is, what it is, <laughs> is it's an Israeli form of hand to hand combat. That's extremely brutal. It was mm -hmm. made in the thirties, I believe by Amy Lichtenfeld to, you know, fight Nazis, like when that was actually a problem and not like we say today, like everything's a Nazi, you know, this was <laughs> when there were actual, there was actual Nazis. There were actual Nazis, right. You know, and uh, it, it's, it's a form of street combat that the idea is you run up on me, well, I'm going to end it and end it now. And you're not, it's, it's so brutal that it, the tenant is overwhelmed that attacker with violence. And so I came in there going, and I'm just going to give it a shot. Like, there's no way this is actually going to work. And the two instructors, they're like guys in their early thirties, they're like, what do you have? Palsy? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Let's go. Like, so they immediately just like threw me in and they're like, don't, you know, start teaching me these techniques and, and all this, you know, defense from getting choked, from getting pulled all the real things. So my, my mindset started changing about it. I'm going, the world doesn't give a crap if I have CP. See that same tenant coming back again. It's like, if I'm walking downtown after a gig at 2 a.m. and I look like I have money on me and I maybe don't, I'm maybe not strapped because I was working in a bar, you know, uh, someone doesn't care. Excuse me, sir. Do you have a functional? <laughs> right, right. I don't hug you. But do you have a functional? <laughs> it's like now, after a year, almost a year in Krav Maga, the mental capacity and the physical capacity to defend myself is mm -hmm. something that five-year-old Chase could have never understood, ever. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you get in that room, and those people become one. Their family, mm -hmm. but two. Uh, there is no there is no soft lovey feelings in that room. Mm -hmm. They're like, 
All right. So I use this version of the C word quite often with my friends. Cripple, not the other one. Okay. I was like, what are we we about to do here, Chase? What are we about to do? Am I going to have to go in and bleep our stuff so we don't get banned? (laughs) Because you went there. Um, (laughs) So I make a lot of crippled jokes. I make jokes about being uh, crippled and sexy. was a a (laughs) joke. And I have a few friends with CP and being in Krav Maga for almost a year, by the way, Nashville Krav, Krav Maga on Fessler's Parkway, uh, instructors Miles Gomez, uh, Lauren Pachaco, I mispronounced her name, and Sam Collins. Fantastic people. Best place to be. If you want to learn to defend yourself, go to Nashville Krav Maga. But something they started doing is like most of that room before they got to know me was pretty uncomfortable with like, okay, there's like clearly a guy with a problem here, but once he starts getting on the upper body combatives where it's over, it's just straight diesel. Like, (laughs) so they're going miles and Sam and all them just can't believe it. They're like, you're hitting so hard. And like the aggression is there and all that stuff. And, uh, and miles is like, yeah, it's because his legs don't work. So it's like all that (laughs) just goes up. (laughs) Um, but a lot, the funny thing is why I said the word cripple is because, uh, it's become kind of this endearing joke as part of like an initiation for new members is what they have to do is a a new member comes in. And if I'm in there, they have to push me over or try. Oh, (laughs) be like somebody push the cripple. (laughs) Isn't that great, man? My life goal is to get canceled. So I hope I get canceled over this. (laughs) It's so bad. Me and Gina Carano can kick it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, this one girl, she was probably like 5'9, 150. Like she's a pretty strong girl. Like she definitely like lifted and, and she's she was pretty strong and she's a great beginner. She great fight in her. Um she kind of like bumped me in the line. And I just looked at her and I was like, come on, do it. <laughs> throws me to the ground and miles the instructor goes that's what i want everyone look when i (laughs) chase over you push chase over (laughs) and so these guys have become family and i talked Mm -hmm. to him after we started doing that i talked to him and i said man I, i appreciate that and i said because Every other life experience, like 80% of other life experiences are going to baby the crap out of you. And they're just going to treat you like glass. And he said, look, I I talked to the owners and I said, we got to start treating this guy like the real world. Mm -hmm. So I'll be Mm -hmm. training and somebody will come up and just throw, you know, just put their body weight on me and throw me offline, you know, throw me off the pad or whatever I'm trying to do. To and I I think that's so important that that's a, a metaphor for mm-hmm. life with a disability is you mm-hmm. need that uncom- are y'all familiar with Jocko Willink I'm sure oh, you yeah. Angel, yeah. yeah you know who he is so Jocko is a retired SEAL uh, head of um, Bruiser uh, Bruiser it? Task Force so he wrote Extreme Ownership which we referenced in a previous yeah uh, episode one of the healthy habits one yeah yeah. He has a, he has a video. This is the first one. 
good. He's like, are you tired? Good. Does it hurt? Good. Are you, are you out of time? Good. You know, basically. And that's, that's what miles and I talked about was this kind of Jocko approach to, um, so what if you're handicapped? So what if you're crippled? You need, you need to be uncomfortable. You need to be afraid. And that's, that's why I do Krav Maga is like, okay, one, yeah, great testosterone. I can beat up on leather pads and beat up on grown men. And I'm just gonna be real. The women in this studio are far more ferocious than the men. <laughs> that. That's a hill I will die on. These women are absolute monsters. <laughs> the is there, you know what I mean? They, they run those real life simulations and they mm-hmm. will absolutely murder you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was, yeah, yeah I, I think you need to be in this studio. You need to be in this gym to understand real life because he said because mm-hmm. you're hungry for it to, yeah. to have that experience and to not be treated like glass mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so i'm in you know get in there take hits get in there and, and i just graduated my first belt so that moved up from beginner to intermediate so i'm like nice blown. congrats you even thought nice. of that 20 years ago i've been like no way yeah yeah so, that's awesome yeah you know um, what he's saying though You've got to be uncomfortable. you got to live outside mm-hmm. your comfort zone. This is exactly what our last guest, Rusty Holmes, um, Dr. Rusty Holmes, said. Dr. Not that type of doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he has his doctorate in horn. Um, mm-hmm. But he said the same thing. You need to do hard stuff. What's yeah. your morning routine? His morning routine is that he gets up and immediately takes a cold shower. And it's like, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. He's like, I can do difficult things. Like, that's yeah. what you pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a fun conversation. That's our last episode. Yeah. I, I choose to get tripped by men who are a hundred pounds heavier than me, but mm-hmm. I, showers, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I know it's, you know, we, we've all got our things too, right? Like I can't do the cold showers, but <laughs> fun fact, um, Angela, you and I, I'm sure we'll get into this at some point. Um, Ryan and I were talking, that's my fiance about um, nervous system states and why the cold shower is a problem for me. So um, we'll leave that alone, but unpack that later. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, we've all got our our hard things that we're like, you know what, this is hard for me, but I'm going to dig in. And for me, a lot of it's, you know, the strongman type stuff for you. It's the crowd for Angela. Um, I'm sure right now it's the stuff that you're digging into medically, right? I'm sure you're dealing with something, aren't you? (laughs) Well, but I mean, you just referenced the the hand thing you got. So I not training, but I don't feel, Yeah. yeah not training like normal and having to do something different. I mean, for me, that would be it for me if I were you. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Like I can just um, now get back to deadlifting and I sometimes rows feel great and other times rows make me go numb. I'm yeah. not okay with it, but I also don't want it to be permanent. So I'll be patient as we yeah. figure it out. But you know, like you just, sometimes doing the hard thing is just being patient. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at it. We fine. Good. No, we live in a world that's just like, uh, you know, the Instagram thing is great, you know, mm-hmm. to market yourself and to be. I love what you said about patience because it's like we live. I think we just live. Like you see results immediate, mm-hmm. like great mm-hmm. photo, like chiseled dude, or you know, mm-hmm. or or this, you know, the girl with the abs and the butt, you know, what mm-hmm. it, like that's a product you know what i mean yeah versus just like well how many how many of us are digging into programs you know what i mean mm-hmm. 
programming, finding, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition information, finding mental health information. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we referenced some of that in a previous, uh, issue article. I'm pretty uh, sure. Episode, yeah. Whatever. yeah. I'm pretty sure we did too, where it's like people just, all you see are the afters. And if you see yeah. the befores, they're attached to the afters and like, you don't see, you know, me at two thirty or whatever I was at my top weight, just like, you know, going, Hey, look at me. I'm just starting out. I'm a lard and I've never touched a bar before. You know? <laughs> the process yeah. isn't always sexy. We want no. sexy. That's what we want to see. We will see the process. It's boring, right? No, you know what the sexiest thing though is, is that dedication. Is if I, yeah. if I meet someone who's like, mm-hmm. like, nope, I mean, I don't compromise. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in my four days a week, my five days a week, whatever program mm-hmm. it is. And you, I, I don't care who you are. You can't come between that. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's like weight goes up and down. Body fat percentage goes up and down. Skeletal muscle mass up and down. Mm-hmm. But if if you have that, if you have that dedication, mm-hmm. good. You can do, yeah. you can do a hard thing. You can do many hard things. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Which translates to music because being a musician is not easy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard thing to yeah. be a musician. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, yep. it sounds like a floofy thing on the on the front side of it, but it's uh, on the front side on the well, whatever. But it's not. It's difficult. It's difficult to make a living. It's difficult to stick with it. It's difficult to chase your dream and like get, you know, shove aside the whole musicians are broke. You'll always be broke. You're a starving artist. There's no money in it. Get a real job. It's hard. A lot of that has to do with uh, by and large musicians don't know how to diversify their assets or their skill sets to make more money. Like that's, that's a pretty simple thing. One, we don't teach personal finance in school. Like we don't teach how to invest in real estate. We don't like, no. we don't no. teach vertical integration, like, you know, own the venue that you're playing at. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Things yeah. Like the that. things we don't teach in music school should be a whole episode. The fact that we don't have a basic business course for musicians. I'm like, every single one of us teaches privately. I don't know anybody who doesn't teach privately. And we English. all have to, like, come on. <laughs> these books, you know how many of these books are business? Uh-huh. uh-huh. A lot of them. When did I buy them? After college. Why? Because yeah. they didn't teach me any of it. Yeah, you didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know, okay, how do I actually make connections to recruit? How do I actually figure out what I should charge? How do I ask for money? How do I create a student contract and feel like, no, I, you actually have to follow this. Like, I'm not y- your problem, not mine. You know, <laughs> come on. <sighs> Business mm-hmm. important. <laughs> Why? And especially with the fitness thing, like, why is it that so many musicians don't care? Because I feel, I feel like, again, back to the Instagram thing, like, we're in this mm-hmm. age, of, like, freedom and like, oh my gosh, like take care of your mental health and your body. It's all good things. I mean, it, right. it's, it's a little over, it's a little overtly sexy. You know what I mean? The mental health, like swiping yeah. like RM Drake quotes or whatever that are like, <laughs> oh, that's a happy little thing. Mm-hmm. But I, all to say, I feel like that's changing, but it's, it's great to meet other musicians that are dedicated to health on a, systematic level and not just my label hired me a trainer so i've got to get thin 
You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. How do y'all feel about that? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you think that culture is changing where, where more musicians are, are becoming systematically healthier? I think just based on the number of people that we're seeing online who do cross the line there, I would say yes. Um, my, my treatise, um, when I was getting my doctorate, um, was on, so, so it was on the cross application, right. Of movement therapies and strength training, that kind of stuff to daily clarinet practice. That was the premise, but in the process, it's like, okay, well, I need to know what's already been done. I need to know what the studies currently say, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, it took, so the first injury related study I found just asking private, you know, anonymous questions. Do you suffer from some sort of pain related to your playing or which I would, I would actually currently describe as, you know, there's a, there's an imbalance problem. There's a weakness problem because you're inactive because we think that we just have to spend our day in a practice room. But the first study I found was early seventies. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But it was, it was, that's late. As far as I'm concerned, that's late. It should have been. It is. And the numbers are stupid high. I mean, there's not a study that's under 70 or 80%. Yes. And some of them are upwards of 90 saying, yes, there's a problem, but we're still through the early two thousands and early 2010s. Most of the research, most of the articles and et cetera produced on this topic are basically just trying to confirm that there's a problem. We just need to admit that there is a problem. End of story. And that's where it stops. So here we are in 2021, because I have no idea how long this will be in the ether, you know, like here we are in 2021 and we're just now like, and there, there have been people who've been practicing for, you know, at least a decade, sometimes more on like, there's people who are yoga for musicians. There's people who are um, Feldenkrais and Alexander technique for musicians. They've been doing it. It's, it's not like it, you know, it's not like it doesn't exist, but we're just now getting to the point where people like Angela and I, and like you were talking about it and we've got Rusty who does it. And um, people in our upcoming interviews are, are also professionals now in this field where we're cross applying this stuff. This is new. It is changing. It is starting to be accepted, which is a big deal. Cause when I, I first got injured um, it was not accepted. It was, you know, you have to hide this. Um, and it, I was shied away from like, oh, you shouldn't do strength. You shouldn't pick up anything. And I'm like, well, it's the opposite of what I needed. Um, I would, I would go ahead. The arts are the only sector that we tell people not to be like lifters, which yeah. is so strange. Like, have you ever noticed that? It doesn't that? make any sense to mm-hmm. me. When you mm-hmm. pan out, it's like, well, you shouldn't. It's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, because you might hurt yourself. I'm like, I know a guy whose career was ended, clarinet career was ended because he got in a car accident. I know people who've lost their performance careers because they were too hurt to play from playing too much or from sitting on the couch. And like, that's my, my diagnosis of the situation. So, so why, if I'm at risk anyway, why would I not do this thing that gives me at least a chance, you know? Ignorance, because we don't know. (laughs) I have musicians, I have music teachers tell me the same thing. They're like, you don't need to go in the gym. I'm like, excuse me, why not? I like it. And they're like, you could hurt yourself. I'm like, I could hurt myself doing anything. Well, you could crush your fingers. Yeah. I could do that if I decide to learn how to change the wheel on the car. Right. You got to know what is an acceptable, what's acceptable that. risk. Yeah. 
And you got to weigh that against what are the benefits? And at that point, nobody knew the benefits. I mean, I've been doing music strong for a decade now and Mm -hmm. it was novelty. Then people still think it's novelty. It's not novelty. It's just no, we're not, no one else doing it. Can't figure out why. Or we're kind of put on the sidelines. I'm sorry, Chase. You keep getting interrupted. Go ahead. Well, put on the side. It's a great point. Put on the sidelines as what? Novelty or um, insane. I get a lot of like, oh, you're just like, holy crap. Like you're, you're exceptional. I'm like, when I started, I could not empty handed holding onto a post. So nothing in my hands, I could not get into the bottom of a deadlift position. I was physically incapable. Wow. We're not talking weighted. Now okay. you're lifted. Uh, strong, strong woman. Yeah. 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 So not to correct you, but to correct you. <laughs> my nomenclature because you got to use the appropriate lexicon. You can't be like, oh, you do this when you actually do that. So strong. Yeah. About it. Yeah. yeah. And most of my injuries came from muscle imbalances that were created because when you're a hypermobile person, I'm not the most hypermobile yeah. person, believe me, but there, when you do have hypermobility and extensive range of motion in joints, you know, like this kind of mm-hmm. business, you shouldn't be able to mm-hmm. like, you should be like here. And I'm like, there, you know, you know, yeah. you know when you go <laughs> that far, like my neck shouldn't go that far. <laughs> you know, uh, when you have that, your, your body is going to find a direction. Like it's going to crave strength. It's going to crave stability. And when you don't have it, it's going to create it the best way it can. And mm-hmm. my second and third injuries were because of muscle compensations from playing the flute, trying to lift weights, not knowing what I was doing, not knowing what good form was. And I just exacerbated the muscle compensation and tore things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. What I was going to originally say a couple minutes ago ties in perfectly to this. My first trainer, his his career, and he, tra- he trained me off the books. We were just good friends, and he's a mix engineer in L.A. and he came to move here, live here in Nashville. Thirty five years old, shredded, unbelievably strong baseball player through college, football player, about five nine, about my size. You know, he could kind of relate to that. You know, and. He would always talk about, he's like, I would love to write a fitness program for guys behind the desk. Like you look at all the unhealthy, like Mm -hmm. producers that, you know, like the unhealthy mix engineers that are out there just like Mm -hmm. with the plugins every, just in the box right there every day. Mm -hmm. And we were just kind of talking for a few, I mean, obviously we haven't moved on such project, but like, we were always kind of talking like these guys and girls like need that information to go, Hey, you don't have to be in there being, you know, Arnold, you don't, you're not trying to be a bodybuilder. You need to get your strength up. So when you're at the desk sitting in your Herman Miller chair, you can sit up straight and keep your neck Mm -hmm. long Alexander Mm -hmm. technique, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Eyes, you know, um, all that stuff. And it, it's just such a funny thing to that the arts are the only sector that we tell people uh, maybe you shouldn't go in the gym. Like you don't tell that to like an account manager at Ernst and Young. Like actually, you can do what they want. They is that what what be the strongest guy at the accounting firm? What's that going to do for you? Yeah, yeah. There's certainly less judgment, but what I find interesting, and and, and I am going to apologize. I'm going to have to go in like one minute here. But what right. I find interesting is now I'm hearing stories from people in. So I work part time in an office, and my fiance is definitely in an office. And you're hearing stories now of like, oh, well, my hip hurts, and my doctor said to stay out of the gym. My doctor said, oh, I should just rest. And like, 
your hip hurts because you're sitting 12 hours a day. <laughs> so it's starting to, it's starting to transfer now into private sector. You don't get judged as much as you do in, in arts, but man, if you're in private sector and watching this, you gotta be, you gotta be paying attention to that. It's starting yeah. to travel. <laughs> All around. Oh yeah. Right. So I think we have to call it. We could probably talk for a lot longer. Yeah. It's been a fantastic conversation, but Jen has to run. Yeah, uh, yeah I do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we've been talking for almost 90 minutes. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Wow. Um, yeah, I know it flew by. It's gonna be fun <laughs> to try to re-listen to this and find a clip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oops. Okay. If anybody knows of like a timekeeper thing that, you know, an app or something, let me know. So yeah. I don't have to use like a stopwatch. For my podcast. Oh, we were going to say that. So we've got plugs. We need to uh, tell people where they can find you and talk about your podcast real quick. That's okay. Jen, if you need to go, we can finish up because I know, I know you have a heart out. I do. And I'm, I'm sorry about that. So um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for chatting with us. Um, Enjoy the rest of your plugs. Hopefully we can actually talk again soon because this was really awesome. So do it again. Cool. Bye everyone. (laughs) Bye Jen. Awesome. I, yeah, I, so go ahead. You covered 90 minutes. That kind of flew by. That was really did. Uh, so you can find me on uh, personal Instagram is at Chase Acres. Acres is spelled A K E R S. Um, there's the fitness page, which is rebuilding ability, no underscore anything. Um, Chase Acres, I post uh, podcast updates, music updates, anything I'm working on. Um, any business ventures like that rebuilding ability is uh, mostly geared towards the WordPress now that I've been publishing uh, writing material through there just kind of telling the stories and and trying to you know form these things into a long narrative uh, a lot of stuff we talked about today um, my podcast is called Mr. Encyclopedia and that airs bi-weekly uh, every other Friday Uh, I talk with local musicians and friends of mine who've made their own way in the music industry, and we just dissect things that we like. Uh, We tell some war stories and talk about where we're going. So uh, that's a long format podcast. You can find it most easily on Spotify under Chase Akers Presents Mr. Encyclopedia. A lot of fun. Outstanding. Yeah, Yeah. you've got a whole lot of platforms people can read, and you, you started a blog right? That's uh, the blog is rebuildingability.com. Outstanding. Chase, this has been a fantastic conversation. I cannot believe it uh, flew by so fast. I feel like we just touched like the tip of the iceberg of the things we've talked about. I know. Well, maybe, maybe we can do another one, uh, a part two at some point where we dive deeper on, on any sort of, you know, if you listen back and find something, I want to talk more about that. Maybe we can do like another short form one or something that we can dive yeah. deep. But thank you. I, yeah, I think that'd be great. And thank you so much for, <clears throat> excuse me, for taking the time to come and join us. Uh, it was a fantastic conversation, like I said. And um, yeah, you really, uh, you really run the gamut from in a lot of areas of your life. So thank you for sharing those with us. And I'm going to make a blog post myself with some show notes because um I'm starting to get into that. And you can find all my stuff at musicstrong.com, everything music strong, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. It's all music strong. Perfect. And uh, this will go up on our YouTube playlist pretty quickly, but you can also find us wherever you get your podcast. And that also is currently dropping bi-weekly on Tuesdays. So thank you again for joining us and uh, we will see you later. All right. Thanks, Angela. <laughs>